Eric Zorn writes something called the Picayune Sentinel. It's a weekly newsletter you can subscribe to for free. Go to Eric Zorn, well, email ericzorn at gmail.com or on Substack. Just type in Picayune Sentinel and you'll find his stuff there. There's a premium edition you can pay a little for, but you can also get it for nothing. And he's also a member of our Mincing Rascals podcast. Another episode of that will drop tomorrow. Hey, Eric, how are you today? I'm good, John. Thanks for that nice introduction, as usual. Well, it's always true. Uh, by the way, this has nothing to do with nothing, but I've been watching Masters of the Air. Have you watched that series at all? I haven't. No. What is it? It's uh, about uh, the World War II bomber pilots, and it's on Netflix, and it's eight episodes. Oh, is, this, is, is this like the follow-up to Band of Brothers? Is that? Yep. Or the, yeah, yeah. Um, I've heard really great things about it. So they you know they drop it every Sunday. I can't watch the whole thing. First two episodes dropped and then this Sunday they had another one. So I've watched three episodes. And you know it's about the stories of these bomber pilots and navigators and the crew and their lives. Um, but the amount of time that they dedicate to just off the chart air combat is amazing. And it is so realistic, not that I have any idea what it was really like. But you, you just see how, how tough that was. What we asked those young men to do—it's—it's it's sensational for that. Are, are you comparing the heroism of our podcast team to the uh, fighter pilots? I don't know how I made that segue. No, I am absolutely not. Um, the, and 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 really, um, how it's funny because I was watching it with my son, who is um, what's Griff thirty? Uh, imagine somebody five years younger than my young son. Um, and grabbing him off the streets of Chicago and saying, okay, you're not a teacher anymore. You're going to fly this plane. We'll train you. Or you're going to sit in a ball underneath and you're going to shoot a gun at planes that whiz by. And you're probably going to die. Thank you very much. That's what we did. And it's, it, well, you do get, a, you, you do get the feel for that, if, if I may. Oh, well, just a number of young men, uh, in particular, who have died in wars over the years. I mean, young, younger than 25, right? A lot of them are... 21, 18. It's, it's, uh, it's really sobering to think about. You know, you mentioned that you, you're watching this as it comes out. I, I really adopted this, this strategy of not watching shows until they're done oh. because I, I'm kind of a binge watcher. And if I'm into something, I'll want to watch it like every night until I'm done. And so I can't, I, I know this used to be what everybody did all the time was you would wait for the next episode, but I, I just can't do that anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed that you can. I'm depressed that you can't because doesn't this then prolong your satisfaction? The idea that they'd spend millions of dollars over a few years making this gigantic series and then in a weekend you've ex you, you've, you've used it all up. But now I've got like uh, two months of every week viewing. Think about that. You've got a weekend. I've got two months. Yeah, but the, the, the problem with that, though, is that there's so much else that I'm that's going on in my life and <laughs> my world that I'll, I'll forget from week to week. Uh, we just finished watching Reservation Dogs. Have you have you watched that yet? I know of it. Yeah, I, I, you know I watched the first episode maybe a year or so ago, and uh, I didn't really get into it. And but then people kept telling me, "Oh, you got to watch it. It's really really good." And it is really really good. Uh, but my wife and I watched it basically an episode a night. Uh, and uh, we just really, really got into it. We were really sad when it ended, but uh, it was it was one of those series. I, I like this too. It's like I think there's like 28 episodes total. It's and it wraps up. It's, it's over, 
You don't have to keep keep. And then there's shows like The Morning Show, which I I forgot. You know, I really like that show, but I I forgot from season to season there were so many months between seasons, partly because of the strike, uh, that I couldn't hang on to the plot. I had to go back and and watch recap shows and stuff. So so I'm a binger. That's that's my new thing. I'll, I'll wait until this show is done, and then I'll then I'll sit down and watch it like a show per night. One last thing, my friend Steve Alexander here said, watch the greatest night in pop about the We Are the World recording. He said that was fantastic. Yes. I, Johanna watched it without me. I'm really mad at her for that. Uh, <laughs> I, I was, I was uh, back in Michigan visiting my parents over the weekend, and she had, was, was occupying herself watching TV stuff. And, and she said, oh, it's so great, it's so great. But I, you know, I, I also I, I look upon a lot of viewing as a social experience. Like I, I don't just sit and watch shows by myself. Uh, so now I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll, I'll get on the treadmill or something and watch that. But <laughs> no, 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 don't do that. I, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Um, let's talk about education. I, there's two reasons to talk about it today. One, the editorial in the Chicago Tribune caught your eye, and we can talk about that. We can also talk about full-day kindergarten, which, in fact, not all schools have in the Chicago area. But the legislature has mandated that in a couple of years all public schools must provide full-day kindergarten, and that'll raise property taxes almost certainly in some neighborhoods, or at least it'll be a referendum issue. And if the neighborhoods don't decide to raise their property taxes by 30, 40, 50 bucks a month, then those existing dollars will have to be spread out over fewer students and services and education diminish. I thought everybody would be for um, providing all-day kindergarten and paying for it, but my listeners are rather divided on that. They don't like the idea of full-day kindergarten if that means their property taxes go up. Well, I, I do like the idea if my, if, you know, if my property taxes go up, I'm fine with it, as long as I'm satisfied that the educational outcome is, is demonstrated. I, I'm not sure that it is. I know that some of the studies on the Head Start program that they've done have not shown really great results. If you look forward... 10 years or so, the kids who are in Head Start are, are no more academically inclined or accomplished than the kids who were not. Uh, I would want to see I would want to see the evidence that it that it actually is not just a way for parents not to have to pay for daycare. But uh, but I do I, I do think that if it if it is educationally valuable, then it's really worth the investment in, in our, uh, you know, in the tax dollars and so on, as, as public education is worth our investment. So I have, so trouble I, be, believing I, that. I have trouble believing that if you, if you spend time and money on kids when they're three, four, five, six years old, that that doesn't pay a dividend down the road. And by the way, I'm not sure what you're judging that on. Doesn't that economically help the family that can now make more money because they're not watching their kids? How, that's that? a good point. I hadn't thought, I hadn't thought of that. That, that is a good point. Uh, yeah. It is. I, I know. You know what? Uh, two of my kids had uh, pre-K, public school pre-K. Uh, I don't know that it helped them that much, but I think it helped. It helped socialize them. I don't know that it that it helped, you know, with their math skills or whatever. But but that you know, one of the values of school at that age is not necessarily learning your numbers and colors and and shapes and so on, but it's learning how to share and how to deal with others kids and deal with frustration and so on. And that probably pays off in the classroom. I'm I'm guessing the people who I'd really want to talk to about this are kindergarten and first grade teachers. They're the ones who I think would really say, is it, does this pay off in terms of these kids? And, and and my, you know, my, my guess would be, my instinct would be, yeah, that it would, it would work, but I would want to, I would want to rather not just go with my gut on that, but to, but to actually try to figure it out. Well, this sounds anecdotal, but one of my listeners did text me that 
What they do in Texas is in order to calculate future prison space, they look at fourth grade reading scores. And if the scores are low, then we're going to get more guys in jail. And if the scores improve, then what do you do? Add 15 years, whatever it is, then if, if the scores improve, then maybe we'll need less prison space, something yeah. like that. I have I have no no question at all about the value of good good public education and especially good primary education. No question about it at all. I just don't know for a fact that pre-K does that. I, and I, again, I'm not I'm not uh, saying that I don't believe it. I'm just saying that I don't know, and it's something that I'd like to like to see. Well, it's hard to prove a negative, right? I mean, I guess you could see positive scores, and that would tell you one thing. But if you don't do it, then how much does it harm the kids? And it's hard to put a finger on that. It's a gamble I'm willing to take with everybody else's tax dollars. Uh, well, the tri- well the th- I mean, the thing is, John, the thing is, John, that, that you, you can do the study where you look at kids who were in Head Start kind of programs or were in pre-K and kids who weren't, and then try to normalize for all the other factors that would go into that and see if, see if those kids are better off, say, in seventh grade and 12th grade and so on. Um, I mean, that's the way a, a social scientist would go about studying that. But again, again you're right. The, the uh, certainly one's gut instinct would be, yeah, this has got to work. This has got to be better. Okay, so maybe we should vote for, think about this, as important as education is and the school boards are, especially this day when the school boards are making decisions about libraries and curricula and stuff like that, should you and I get to vote for school board members, say in Chicago, or should the mayor appoint school board members? Eric Zorn's talking to us from the Picayune Sentinel. You still there, Eric? I'm still here, John, yes. We were talking about education a minute ago. The Tribune has an editorial about electing school board members. What's going on here? What's your thought about that? Well, as you may remember, there's been a, a long push in Chicago to have an elected school board. A lot of people think that this would be a, a better way to run schools and to have a mayoral school board. And Chicago is really the only place, uh, the only municipality in the state that has an appointed school board. Everybody else elects them. And so Mayor Lightfoot said she was in favor of it. Then when she got in the office, she went, ah, maybe it's better for me to have some control. So she hit, a, hit on a compromise solution where you'd have half of the uh, school board elected at first. And then after you would phase into a full, fully elected school board. And after that, now, I, I think this is a bad idea in general. Uh, one reason is that they do this in Los Angeles. They have an elected school board. And it's at a really, really expensive uh, set of campaigns, and it's funded primarily by outside interests, by teachers' unions from around the country fund the uh, the school board elections, and people who are in favor of charter schools and voucher programs and so on. It becomes one of these. It becomes a battleground, and so you have voters who are who are barraged by commercials, and then they are, are ending up uh, being influenced by and t- making their votes based on on these political considerations rather than people who are say necessarily the smartest people to run a school board. And it takes the uh, responsibility for education out of the, the portfolio of the mayor, which is where I think that it belongs. I, I think that we would we'll end up being kind of sorry if we have huh. elected school boards. So if we're going to be voting on people we don't know. It's kind of like electing judges. People are going to be voting for people they don't know uh, based on you know commercials and so on. I think, I think it's a it's a bad idea. But the legislature has approved it. It's going to go through. And the initial plan, which was the one that Mayor Lightfoot grudgingly agreed to, which was to have half of them elected now, and then in another few years, the rest will be elected. Mayor Johnson, uh, Brandon Johnson, when he was an, an activist for the CTU, was always banging the table about, hey, let's have an elected school board, elected school board. Now there's a proposal that comes from the Illinois Senate that says, hey, how about we have 
a fully elected school board right away and stop this ridiculous phase-in program. And the phase-in program has problems because of how you district it, who gets to vote on which members, and then how you carve those up when you add members, because it's going to be done by district. It's not just all citywide. Mm-hmm. So, so they said this is you know unnecessarily complicated. Let's just have an election. And suddenly, Chicago, Brandon Johnson and the teachers union are like, no, 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 wait. Two reasons. One, because they need to raise a lot. If they're going to have 20, 21 elections rather than, than 10, they're going to have to raise a lot more money, and it's going to cost them a lot more. And two, they've got their guy in City Hall. They've got, <laughs> they, they don't – all of a sudden, they just, just need to, we need to have you know, the elected school board. And the, you know, the, the final problem with this is that you may end up you – know, be careful what you wish for when you've got – a, an elected school board, you may think that this is a great thing. It's going to be responsive to the community. No, these people are going to be responsive to the mega donors from around the country who have who have uh, elected them, not necessarily to their constituents. And so you may end up, you could end up, if you're in favor of the public education, you don't, you're not like the idea of vouchers. You may end up with a voucher program in the city. You may end up with a school board, on the other hand, that gets rid of these selective enrollment schools and gets rid of the charter schools that a lot of people like. I mean, it's it's one, and and you won't really be able to have much say because you'll only be voting for one out of uh, out of more than twenty school board members. So you'll you'll be as a voter, you're kind of impotent. You, the mayor, you can't hold the mayor responsible. And I think that in the at the end of the day, that would be the best thing. Just like the mayor appoints the school board, the mayor wears the jacket. The schools go up, the mayor gets credit. The schools go down, the mayor's got trouble. That seems to me to be the best way to do it. But we're past that now. And now the question is, how quickly do we phase this in? I say might as well phase it, might as well have it all elected right now. Hmm. I don't know why the mayor would want that. It doesn't seem to me like the mayor is an expert on education. And while he has to wear the jacket for it, what's the point of making him wear the jacket for something he has no day-to-day control of? I, d- I don't know that I agree with you on all of this, Eric. Uh, well, he, 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 does have contr- he does have control of the school board right now, school board policy. No, I'm talking about what's going he, he, on in the classroom, though. The uh, educational oh, okay. outcome, you say if the scores go up, the policies are good and the mayor is good, but if the scores go down, well, that's on the mayor. I, I'm not sure that the buck should stop there. What's the well, mayor got yeah, to do? I mean, Yes, I mean, I, I was thinking more politically. The, the same thing is true with gas prices, right? The president gets credit when the gas prices go down. He gets blamed when the gas prices go up, and, and gas prices are affected by many, many factors in the global economy. Presidents don't have much influence on them at all. It seems to me like you're saying that we would not know who we're voting for like judges may not be as as true as you make that sound. I. I take your point. I don't know who those people are. If I know one, I feel smart. But it does seem like people are very vested locally in these local school board elections. They know the platforms. They throw them out if they put the right people or wrong people in. It seems to me like those are very vigorous democratic processes these days. Yes, they are. They become particularly vigorous when you're talking about a big city where the educational uh, policy is has, has can have national implications. I think if you're talking about a suburban school board, yeah, and those have become, I am. as you know, I, well, those have become battlegrounds over things like library books. I know, and so on. I know, and, but... and you have lots of money thrown at those at those uh, races too. Um, and and again, when you have districts, in, in a, as you will in the city here, you'll have these districts of, of people voting. So you'll have somebody who's representing you in your 
school board district, and, and most people don't even know their state rep district or their state senate district or their ward. I mean, it, people are, are busy. They've got a lot going on. For, All right. so to I, I just to, don't share your cynicism about this per se, and I don't like either option. I don't like voting for people we don't know, some of whom may have agendas that are just nutso. There's a lot of that out there, but I don't know that I want to hand the baton to one individual who may be nutso or, or may not just be sufficiently responsible. It should be a, a, a local issue, Eric. I don't like—that's why I want to be king, Eric. If I were king, I would make sure everything went well. How about that? Oh, well, that, that's an option I hadn't considered, <laughs> making sure everything goes well. No, but I, you know, I, I, I can see a situation where you might have, say, uh, an elected school board superintendent, say. So you're electing someone based solely on educational policy rather than a, a mayor who's responsible for crime and housing and, and yeah. taxation and all these other things. They have to have somebody who you can actually directly hold accountable rather than someone you're sort of holding, holding uh, secondarily responsible. I, I could see that. I, do, I can just imagine that that voters will tune out. I, I, it's very hard to get the attention of voters. Very hard to get them to to, uh, to focus on some of these smaller races. And you get really you get really low turnout elections where where highly motivated activists will will uh, hold sway. And uh, I mean, I just think we should be careful what we wish for. People who are in favor of elected school boards should be careful what they wish for. Eric Zorn writes something called the Picayune Sentinel. Email ericzorn at gmail.com. He'll sign you up for his weekly newsletter. And you can listen to more of this, among other topics, with a pretty good panel and the Mincing Rascals podcast that drops on Wednesdays. Nice to talk to you, Eric. We'll talk tomorrow, John. Thanks.